We are not the detail operators that need to be running the business all the time. So we said, look, we need to get an operator to come into business with us. There was a, a guy that both of us had wanted to be in business with a long time. So we went to, to that guy and asked him to explore the business with us. He said, yes. And uh, I, but a year later from due diligence, so we started going to laundromat conferences. We started really studying the industry, the economics of the industry, the problems with the industry, and um, uh, decided this is something we wanted to do. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Ken Wimberly. Today, we're talking about a couple of things. Ken has an extensive background in commercial real estate. He's done many businesses. And one of the businesses he's doing right now is a laundromat franchise. And today we talk about the laundromat, what it's like to run one, where you find the opportunities, all that great stuff, everything that sets his laundromats apart from the competitors. And we also talk about an app that he has developed, kind of like a passion project that somebody told him, man, you got to turn this into an app and it was just taking off. And that's awesome. If you're new to the show, you're enjoying the show, please take a second to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcatcher so that you can catch future episodes. If you're enjoying the show and you're an Apple user, it'd be a big help if you take 30 seconds, go to the Apple Podcast app, hit the five stars, give us a comment. I love seeing all those comments. I appreciate it greatly and uh, really appreciate the, you guys that out there that do that. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. I lo love learning new businesses, new things about business. And we get into two new businesses to meet today, laundromats and app ownership, app development, the app strategy. Without any further ado, here we go with Ken Wimberly. Ken, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Taylor, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. You know, I'm excited to continue talking with you. I've been talking for a couple of minutes here and uh, you have some pretty cool experiences. So listeners are just going to learn some of those today. There's a lot to a lot to be gleaned. Before we get into it, can you tell our listeners a bit about your background, what you do, where you come from and you know where you are now? Sure. Yeah. Um, for the past 20 years, I've been a, in the commercial real estate world. I guess we'll back up a little bit. I am a TCU Horn Frog grad out of TCU. Or during my TCU career, we uh, went to war with Iraq, and so I enlisted in the Navy, served uh, a tour in the U.S. Navy, touring around the world, and then uh, spent a little bit of time in the insurance and investment world out of college. Did that, then started my entrepreneurial journey in the uh, restaurant business, uh, owned a restaurant for a little while, and that did not work out as well as I had anticipated, and then eventually um, made it to the commercial real estate business in 2002. So since then, I've done mostly commercial real estate for almost the past 20 years. Uh, did a lot of brokerage, did land brokerage for a long time, uh, started building a nice business there that started leading me into making some investments uh, into land and development investments. Later, well, market crashed in 2008, 2009. So did uh, whatever I could to survive during those years in the commercial real estate world, which primarily uh, bank workout work with uh, a couple of Texas banks right there, helping them sell some of their distressed assets. And then uh, as the markets came back around, I got into the uh, net lease investment business, into the brokerage of net lease investments. And then through that, um, that's led us 
now too, I became a franchise owner for, for Keller Williams Realty. So in addition to my commercial real estate world, I own a, a, and opened a Keller Williams franchise. And uh, then a couple of years ago, we opened uh, our first of what will be many laundromats through Laundry Love. So me and a couple of partners um, have started a chain of laundromats called Laundry Love. And then most recently, um, I've co-founded a commercial real estate coaching company, High Ridge Coaching, and have launched Legacy of Love, our tech platform that's a parent-to-child journaling platform to help parents to kind of capture moments, memories, and lessons to pass on to the children. Awesome. Great. We're going to dig into a few of those today. First off, I wanted to start by learning more about owning laundromats. We haven't really discussed that on the show before. I think maybe alluded to it. And it's not a business that I, I confess I really know much of anything about. So, you know, high level, you own a bunch of washing machines and dryers and I don't know, collect quarters. <laughs> What's the angle for an investor who wants to get into that business? Like, where's the profit yeah. really generated? So it's interesting that, you know, I mentioned the, in a real estate investor and our foray into the laundromat business came from a real estate investment opportunity. We were looking at buying a shopping center and the shopping center had a decent amount of vacancy. And so I was trying to honestly just find a tenant for that shopping center. And I was at a real estate conference, came across a, a laundromat group and kind of pitched this center to them. Said, hey, what would you guys think about this location? And they ran their analysis on the location, came back and they said, this is like a perfect location for a laundromat. So great. Um, what would what would you need to be a tenant in, in our center? And they said, well, the laundromat would need a, a 10-year lease, two five-year extensions. We can pay up to this for the shopping center. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is perfect. I'm like, sign here, press hard, three copies, you know, here's, and, uh, but then what I realized was that it, the people I was talking to, they were not laundromat operators. It was actually a manufacturer's rep that I was talking to. And I didn't know one from the other back then. And, but I kind of struck up a friendship with this guy and he said, look, let me see if we can find an operator to come out there. And they weren't, at least not in a timely fashion, able to find an operator that had any interest in, in coming to our location. So I got with a friend of mine that was had been a client of mine in business and become a good friend of mine, said, hey, what would you think about exploring the laundromat? He was my partner in that shopping center. So what do you think about us exploring becoming operators of a laundromat? I said, all right, let's kind of at least look into it. And then we started doing our due diligence. We're like, okay, the economics on it look pretty favorable, uh, but he and I are cut from the same cloth. We are both great visionaries, great starters. We are not the detail operators that need to be running the business all the time. So we said, look, we need to get an operator to come into the business with us. There was a, a guy that both of us had wanted to be in business with a long time. So we went to, to that guy and asked him to explore the business with us. He said, yes. And, uh, I, but a year later from due diligence, so we started going to laundromat conferences. We started really studying the industry, the economics of the industry, the problems with the industry and, um, uh, decided this is something we wanted to do. So we also wanted to do something that would be had a bigger opportunity. So we wanted a concept that would really, we could grow into. And so what we ended up coming up with was the concept of what we call laundry love, L-U-V. You can go to laundrylove.com and learn about us, but we're a large format concept. So like our first location is 6,600 square feet. We've got over hundred machines in there. It's very bright, well-lit, clean, 
staffed location, all card system, electronic machines, so no coin op in this deal. We built a children's play area in our facility so that when parents are there with their kids, their kids have a nice, safe, happy place to go play and enjoy themselves. Next to the children's play area is a, a resource kind of book area for the kids to sit down and read books. Because what we learned during our due diligence was that in, in the communities where most laundromats are located, many are, are, are impoverished, um, lower income communities, that there is a stat that only one in 300 households has books in the home for the children to read. Wow. And when I heard that, it baffled me and it saddened me because uh, you know, my children were raised reading just, just tons of books, the voracious readers. And so all three of us as partners wanted to do something different. So we partnered with the Laundry Cares Foundations to set up reading rooms in our laundromat as well. And every month we have new books delivered and we encourage the kids that come in to take the books home. Take them home, keep them. Don't bring them back. Just they're, they're your books right now and go read them. So we've got that. We've got staff locations. We've got TVs up in our laundromats. And our TVs only play programmatic content. They do not play daytime TV, Sally Jesse Raphael, <laughs> news, no bad news, no good news, no news, period, because it's all junk in my opinion. So they play things like HGTV, Home Improvement. They play things like uh, Discovery Channel and Sports Channels. And so it's it's only kind of positive programming that we allow because if, if that environment is us having the ability to have an influence on the community around us. So when they come in, we want them to experience a really positive experience, a warm, inviting, wonderful experience. And our staff are trained that every person that comes in, they greet them, they shake their hand, they welcome them, they offer to carry their laundry basket inside, they have to carry their clothes outside. Um, and, you know, again, that's a, it's a demographic that's often kind of stepped on sometimes. And so when they come into our laundromat and they're welcome, they're greeted, they're treated like humans that they are, and they're treated like, you know, valuable people that they are, then they, they tend to really love it. So that's, uh, we opened that a little over a year ago. So I guess probably October a year ago and, you know, took us a little while to get going. Of course, you know, slightly after we opened crazy little thing like COVID hit. So, which of course really affected our target customers right there, their jobs were lost, their income was lost. So our income took a big hit. However, we kept with our playbook, we kept doing what we were doing and now our business is higher than it's ever been right now. We're, we're entering uh, some really good points of profitability and we're looking uh, this year to open up our next three laundromat. Wow. Awesome. So I guess in expanding, obviously it's a, uh, it's still the ventures working out here during COVID. I mean, it, hopefully it would, people need to clean things, even though it's, yeah. you know, things are, are disrupted as you're looking to expand and you're looking for new locations, new places to put a laundromat. What do you look for? Is it just lack of laundromats or, you know, no competition, but there needs to be demand there. Like, how do you determine a place is going to be. Yeah, that's so it's, it's one thing. It's certainly we're doing a competitor analysis. What we learned in, in our first location, we knew that going into that particular town, there was uh, one good competitor in the town. And we knew that uh, when we did the competitive analysis, there were about eight, nine different laundromats in the town. Um, you know, a third of them should have been shut down by the health department. Um, most of them were just not places you'd want to send your wife or children in to go. And then there was one nice location, nice competitor. 
And so we knew we, we would have a, a, some competition in that town. However, what we didn't know is that by the time we got under construction on ours, our competitor was already underway building a second location. And so we've had a tough battle. Now we're winning that battle, but it's been a tough year fighting. So in addition to COVID, we're fighting a competitor that's got two locations. So for sure, one of the things we're looking for is, is a competitor analysis. We're looking for based on where we're going to lo- locate. Um, is there another strong competitor out there that we're going to have to go fight with? Uh, with the next kind of locations we're looking at, we're going into a town that um, has really no strong, we, we like kind of, uh, we're starting at least with our kind of ink blot uh, strategy right here to go into um, some of these small to mid-sized towns in West Texas is where we're going and starting. And so the next uh, couple of towns we're going into, there's no good competitor. There's, there's certainly demand for laundromats. You know, we look at income demographics right there. We're looking at number of of households, number of households that are owner-occupied versus rental households, and then number of apartment units that are out there, and certainly older apartments that many of them don't have washer-dryer connections in the apartment. They've just got like a small on-site laundry room that's often not where you're going to go do your laundry anyway. So we're looking for locations that have the, the right mix of, of residential units out there and with the, the right mix of um existing laundromats that are really not the places where you're going to want to go because we're going to come in and we're going to give them an incredible experience. They're coming to our place and like, I am never going back to that old laundromat again. (laughs) Nice. So I always like to ask the question, really, what's your exit strategy? Because in, you know, as a multifamily investor, right? Typical strategy nowadays is the value add, you know, you buy it, fix it up and sell it in three to five years, hopefully for a profit if you do it right. And the same in a lot of other types of commercial real estate is uh, owning a laundry. Is that more of a cash flow play? Like how how long are you looking to hold? How do you get out of it? Like what's, you know, tell us about the the life cycle of a laundry. Well, it's certainly very much a cash flow play. And Mm -hmm. these, uh, we expect them to be quite cash flow positive as we go on. However, um, you know, there's there's one day we'll be an exit out of these. We're going to grow, grow, grow our if we do things right, I've got a couple of partners that have very big thinking as well as I do. So if we do this right, you know, fast forward five, six, seven years, we'll have a hundred locations uh, spread throughout kind of Texas and the the South. And then we'll kind of look at, at what our exit options are at that point. Hmm. I wonder how many you need to go public. You know, it's not the number of locations, it's like revenue and size and all that, but is it a hundred? Yeah, I don't know. And I think, you know, I have read just recently in the, in the uh, most recent edition or last month's edition, I think of the uh, Planet Laundry Magazine, that there's a venture capital fund to, uh, <laughs> that's specifically for laundromats right now. So there's, there's definitely some interest in money moving into the industry right now. That's awesome. I, I love that there's a, a trade publication for that. Of course there is. I mean, there is for everything. Okay. So uh, we covered the laundromats. I also want to talk about the app that you're working on and the mission behind it, what your goals are, what the app does, all that great stuff. Yeah. So, so I've been this non-technical real estate guy for all these <laughs> years, and now I've moved into a very technical business of app development. And but you know, what the most important role I have in this world is that as, as husband and father. 
and I've got three kids. I've got a daughter who's 18. She's graduating high school in a few months, uh, a 16 year old son and a five year old son. And when my daughter was just one year old and my, my now 16 year old son was still in the womb, I made a commitment that I didn't want time to just slip away. And I didn't want everything to just evaporate from my memory, which I was concerned that, that a lot of the little details would, you know, I just wouldn't be able to remember everything. There's none of us do. So like, what can I do to kind of slow down time to keep it from just slipping away? And, and one of the things I figured I could do is I could journal to my kids. I could, I just write, tell stories of what's happening in their life and my life and our lives together. And so I started this back in 2003 and I started in a, in a simple word, you know, I thought, do I, do I write it in like paper format like this, or do I put it digitally? And the fact of the matter is I can type faster than I can write. So I decided I was going to do it digitally. And I, I started in a, in a word document many years ago. And I said, I also wanted something that I would stick to. I didn't want this to be a, a you know, start it and then forget about it. Got plans. So, so what, what's a rhythm I could stick to? And for me, it was like once a month, if I could write like one journal, at least one journal entry a month per kid, that would be a rhythm I could, I could stick to. And so uh, I started this in 2003 and I stuck to that monthly rhythm. And at first it was just kind of me gushing to my children about how awesome they were. And then it, you know, evolved to the the little milestones they're doing, they're crawling, they're walking, they're losing the first tooth, they're entering kindergarten. Um, and then even to kind of telling the the bigger stories, I would start to document family vacations, places we go, here are the people we hung out with, which that has been really cool to go back on over the years and, and look at just the details that I've frankly forgotten since then <laughs> on, on our trips and what's happened. So yeah. uh, to do that, and then, you know, it's, I've told, my highs in businesses, my, my lows in business, golly, the 2008, 2009 crisis, I, I lost my home to a short sale in that I was over leveraged. It was a rough period of time. I got divorced uh, from their mom. So I, I told the stories of all of that in these journal entries to the kids, you know, because at the time they were just young, they were, you know, six, seven years old at that time. And I wanted uh, them to be able to, you know, when they got older, to read how I was feeling, what I was thinking, the mistakes I made, to learn from my mistakes. And then I've shared the wins. I you know, shared my my first $100,000 commission check. It, anyway, it's, it's taken me through a journey. And I've shared that with hundreds of parents over the years, many of whom started journaling to their own children. And more and more people would start coming up to me and they said, Ken, like, this is one of the most meaningful things I've ever done, just slowing down to capture these moments. Like you need to go do something with this, go create something to make it even easier for more parents. Right. And I just assumed something was out there in the marketplace. And I kind of kept checking because honestly, I didn't have the mental bandwidth to attack something like that when people were suggesting this. And I just kind of kept looking, I'm like, what, what's out there? And there was nothing out there. So um, finally late in 2018, I had some bandwidth that freed up. I said, you know what, I'm going to make the commitment and I'm going to do this. And so I started that process to create what is now Legacy of Love. And we've created a really beautiful, elegant app that is a safe, secure, easy place for parents um, to save everything from their little memories to moments to photos, videos, audio files. And the app 
it asks for, for your birthday, it asks for your kid's birthday. And if you enter that stuff in there, it will create like a digital timeline of how old your child was at all the different milestones that were happening in their lives. And it will also say how old you were. Oh, Taylor, you were you know, 35 when you made this entry. And you're, you know, it's really, really kind of cool that you can look over and, and see the timeline of your, of your child's life and how old you were when things were happening. So anyway, we've done this. It's on Amazon servers. So secure, safe, unlike social media, it's, it's a private endeavor. It's not meant to be blasted out there for the world. It's where you can be honest, vulnerable, share the realness of life right there. Um, if you want to share it, you, you can share some stuff out, but that is by, by no means the way it's, it's designed to be. It's, it's a private endeavor that, that you can uh, enjoy. You can relive these moments. And one day when the time's right, you can pass it on to your children and they can have it. And one day, hopefully pass on to your grandchildren. Awesome. Very, I, I guess, very much a, a passion project. It sounds like, or, you know, there's a big purpose and drive behind it. Something you've been doing for many years and decided to yeah. scale that out to others. It is. And now we've got, you know, thousands of people, uh, frankly, around the world that have started to use it. We nice. we're in 29 countries right now. So this is kind of fascinating to me that, that no marketing outside of the U S and, and not much marketing inside the U S yet. And, uh, somehow people in 29 countries have found us. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Glad it's working out right now. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Ken, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Uh, let's do it. All right. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Can I give two? <laughs> sure. <laughs> because it's somewhat fascinating. Okay. Because one, I'm going to say just right now, I bought, and this is not a normal investment. I bought Tesla stock <laughs> Uh three years ago. Nice. And uh, I sold it last week at an 1100% profit. Okay. So that's one of the best I've ever made. But in a, in a real estate deal, one of the best uh, deals I ever made was early on in my career. I made a partner of mine or a buddy of mine decided to partner on a deal. We assembled like three tracts of land. We took it through zoning. We, we, we brought in it. We didn't have any money back then. So we assembled track land. We brought in an equity partner who helped kind of back the deal for us. We did the legwork. We took it through zoning at city council. We got it approved for uh, an office complex and we're kind of geared up to uh, get a development note and take it through, through uh, development. However, right as we were, I think we were three days away from signing a three and a half million dollar note and starting development on that. And our equity partner called and said, I'm out. I can't take anymore. Uh, you know, it, what we didn't see at the time was this was right when 2008 was about to start imploding. Oh, boy. And our, our, he was already feeling it. He was getting squeezed by a lender. And uh, so we didn't pull the trigger on the development of it. Thank goodness. You talk about un, you know, blessings in, in disguise right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, However, as I mentioned, kind of during that time period, I mean, I ended up short selling my house. And I ended up getting squeezed myself, but I had this interest in this development that we had created. And uh, I, had, you know, each, my partner and I had each put in about $5,000 each in personal funds into this. The, the, all the rest of the money was from a uh, equity partner. And um, I was able to go to another person kind of local in that town and sell my interest in that development for $150,000. $5,000 investment into $150,000 was a pretty damn good return on investment. So that's one yeah. of the best. 
Yeah, that's great. Well, we had the best investment, best investment investments. Now we go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Well, I mentioned that I was in the restaurant business years ago, mm-hmm. and I it was actually I, I had licensed a uh, pizza concept from local town where I was and licensed their name. They had a great name in, in uh, Fort Worth. I took their concept to a nearby city, was going to open it up. Our plan was to open up five different restaurants and then help them franchise the business and, and scale it up. Um, those plans never manifested because 18 months after I opened, we ended up shutting that down and filing chapter seven and uh, bankruptcy. We filed personal and business bankruptcy on that. And it was a miserable experience, hands down, the worst investment that I've made. Ouch, ouch. Yeah, restaurants, not anything I'm, I'm looking to get into myself in the future. Me neither. <laughs> My favorite question here at the end of the show is, what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Uh, you know, two things. And, and it's number one is always be learning and be open to the opportunity that there is knowledge out there for you to learn. Some people just start to figure out they have a know-it-all attitude. I've got it all figured out. Um, so, however, I, I combine that with a propensity for action. Because if you're just learning, you can sit on the sidelines and be the smartest person in the world sitting on the sidelines. So you got to have a propensity for action and take action on what you're learning and go take some risk right there. One of my favorite quotes is from... Pablo Picasso and uh, uh, now I can't remember the quote, but it's uh, the oh, action is the foundational key to all success is from Pablo Picasso. So, so I would leave people with that, you know, take, take action and uh, be constantly learning. Nice. Nice. I love that. And you've, you've kept moving. You've done so many things. We only really barely scratched the surface here in this interview today. And there's so much more, like I said, we were talking before we hit record and uh, there's a lot more to be learned from your experiences. So certainly appreciate you bringing some of those, to, uh, bringing some of those to us today. If folks want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more about your business, if they want to find the app or any of that, where can they do that? Yeah. Look, uh, if, if you want to connect personally, you can email me, Ken at legacyoflove.app. You can uh, find uh, Legacy of Love app is we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook for Legacy of Love right there. Um, you can learn more about our coaching company at highridgecoaching.com. And uh, like I'm kind of on that new clubhouse thing right now, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not so sure about any social media, to be quite honest. So, um, and then if you want to find our app, it's we're on the, the Apple and Android uh, stores right there. It's the Legacy of Love. And you can learn more about the app at legacyoflove.app. So legacyoflove.app. Awesome. Well, thanks once again for joining us today, Ken, and bringing us these lessons. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated and it helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them to try it. We're also now live streaming on YouTube. If you'd like to join the conversation live, go look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button, the notification bell, and smash that like button, as they say. And we look forward to seeing you there live next time. Thanks for tuning in once again. Have a great rest of your day and a great week. And we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.